Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is the 14th of March, which means that it's 314, which for all the math geeks listening means it's pie day. And so let me just say this. Um, I feel like pie day is a celebration of math insofar as the question is, do we cut the pie into four, six or eight pieces? But more of that later on this Taste and See Tuesday, because here at the top of the hour, like we always do on Mornings with Carmen, let's get into the Word of God, that the Word of God might get into us, so that when we get out there into the world that God so loves and we get squeezed, which we will, what comes out of us is the grace and truth, the mercy, the character, the ways of God. So... 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. And my guess is there is one part of this that you know really, really well. And the part you know really, really well is have a ready defense for the hope that's within you. But have a ready defense for the hope that's within you is like, is like the middle of the sandwich here. And so we're going to read these verses and talk about them. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Instead, So, of course, you know, if a passage starts with instead, then you should know what comes before it. So I commend to you uh, the entirety of the beginning of 1 Peter so that you get up to this place and you know what the instead means. But here you go. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if as you're living in this way, worshiping Christ as Lord of your life, if while you're living in this way, somebody asks about your hope as a believer, then always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak against you, um, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So hopefully you see the, um, uh, you see the sandwich there, right? Worship Christ as Lord of your life. Live this way because you belong to Christ. Like, that's, that's, that's what's going on here. And people will then see your life, and some of them will ask about the hope that you have as a believer, and others of them will speak against you. Like, that's the other part here. And then in the middle of all of that is be ready to explain your hope and do so in a gentle and respectful way. So... Worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you're, if you're worshiping Christ as Lord of your life, then your life is going to look different. It's going to look different than the life of the world, which is going to lead some people to say awful things because that's what some people do. But other people are going to actually ask, hey, you're different. What's up with that? And the way Peter describes that is that's someone asking you to tell them about the hope that is in you as a believer. And he says you ought to be ready to explain it. 
This is the basics, by the way, of what's called apologetics. This is you. You ought to be ready. Um, and it's not a ready defense in the way that we think about, you know, being defensive. That's that's why Peter is then quick to say, hey, do it in a gentle and respectful way. Like the way you go about telling people about Jesus is just as important as telling them about Jesus. Talk about your living hope. Which Peter's already talked about in the first chapter of this letter. So we can't really understand the hope that Peter is referring to here, this living hope, unless we understand what Peter has said about living hope in the first chapter. So here's a reminder of what's in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power is being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So the hope that is in the believer is the living hope of a person born again. The ready defense or the explanation of that living hope includes all the things that you find right there in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. It, it, it includes a declaration of this God whom we cry out, blessed, whom we know is Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a God of great mercy, a God of new life, not just an improved life, but a new life. I've been born again. When you are when you are asked to talk about the hope that's within you that people see in your life as a believer in Jesus, you talk about who you were prior to meeting Jesus, and then you talk about the transforming encounter you had with Jesus, that aha moment when it all changed, when the light came on, when you changed, and then you talk about the person that they now see. This is not who I was. I was broken, bereft, lost, lonely, striving, I was a person going after the things of the world, but now I'm filled with hope and not just a hope that springs eternal, but a living hope, a hope that fills my heart and mind and perspective today in real time in the real world. And yes, my friend, there are still various trials in life, but those are like the test of the genuineness of my faith, which is more precious to me than anything else and everything else in all the world. Do you want to know more? Yes, my friend, you're right. I have not seen him, but I love him. And you're right, I don't see him right now. Like I see you, but he is just as present and just as active and just as real to me as you are. And I believe in him. And I rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and unassailable. And yeah, people may have told you in the past that being a Christian is all about getting into heaven. And yeah, that's part of it. But that's not all of it. Jesus is about real life right now. Real hope, substantial hope. My hope is built on nothing less. Hope is built on-
less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I did. Nick Pitts is joining us now. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Carmen. Happy Pie Day. Happy Pie Day. We're going to have peach pie at my house. What kind of pie are you going to have? Oh, I'm going to dream of my grandma's mm. chest pie, which mm. is a foreign. It is foreign out here in Texas, but for those that have ears to hear and eyes to see and have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, they know that God is infused in chest pie. I feel like in Texas, the chess pie has basically become the gooey bar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah there is I just know. nothing, nothing better than a good piece of chess pie. But that's mm. neither here nor there. Mm. All right. Um, Jonathan Haidt, who I uh, appreciate as a thinker today, um, he has been writing about the drivers of mental, the mental health crisis among girls in the culture today. Um, so let's just talk about the crisis being faced by our young women. And then let's talk about the fact that it's not just isolated to women, that men in the culture are having a crisis as well. But let's start with the girls. Yeah. Jonathan, I, excuse me, for your listeners, you'll probably remember he's he's an incredible writer. He wrote the Happiness Hypothesis and then his most recent book that's really taken the world by storm is this book called The Coddling of the American Mind. Just wrote an incredible book, uh, essentially just arguing that this this coddling, this this culture of safetyism, it's robbing uh, a younger generation of the ability to essentially not just uh, prepare the child for the path, but prepare the path for the child. Um, you're you're not helping the child in any which way. And what he's done now is he's taken this research and what he's found is that mental health issues and specifically depression is impacting young liberal girls more than any other demographic right now. And and while you said it's in, it's there's a growing increase that's happening among various demographics, he's seeing a, a significant um, increase among young liberal girls, which is obviously a, a great cause for concern. Well, and if your worldview is um, constructed on yourself and literally the things of this world, um, I mean, it's going to pretty quickly lead to depression and nihilism. Like we know that is that's literally the path of destruction. So it's at some level not a surprise that people who have adopted a godless worldview and are raising their girls to view it all about them as, as as if it's about the material and the here and now. I mean, that would be depressing, utterly so. Yeah, I am. Um, there's a there's a part of it that I, I kind of there's there's two key parts that I really took from a lot of his work, um, and one key part is uh, this: it's just from a political philosophy standpoint, just the liberal progressive mentality just has a greater expectation for the government to work in the everyday life than the conservative. And that's stretched back for five, 600 years. And then if you look back over the past 15, 20 years, you've seen that there hasn't been significant amount of work done from the government. Yeah, there's been movements here and there. There's been bills passed. There's been measures that have been taken. But just holistically, when, when you think about it from just a purely political philosophy standpoint, there's just a greater expectation um, among liberals 
for the government to do more. And if you haven't seen the government do more, there's obviously going to be uh, a failure to meet expectations, which is a key component one. And then two, the second piece that I think really teases out and really touches on very well is this idea of the locus of control. Um, essentially, do you view yourself as an active participant in reality or do you view yourself as a passive um, a reactor to reality? And increasingly among liberal girls, they don't see themselves as being active in society, but rather passive to society, which can be detrimental if you don't think you have any agency, any power whatsoever to impact this world, especially from a Christian standpoint, because we believe it to be true what Jesus told us in, in John when he was going away, we were going to do even greater things than him because he is within us. And if he's for us, then who can be against us? And I'm not, I'm not going to equate liberalism with this idea of, of being godless because I've got a great many friends on both sides of the aisle that claim Jesus and follow after him. And, and I admire greatly. But what we are seeing is that there are a significant portion of Americans that think that they're just passive participants and haven't, haven't grasped the idea of a God that loves them and that has gifted them and has placed them in a location, in a time, so that they might make his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven and not just passive participants in this reality that we live in. That's so good. That's so good. Um, real agents of real grace, um, real conduits of of uh, yeah of the real active presence and purpose of God. I, that is all so good, Nick. Thank you so much. Um, we're gonna take a very bri- very brief break. Um, Nick is gonna prepare to answer Laura's question from Connecticut, who wants to know what is chess pie. We'll also deal with the fact that men and boys are in. A significant crisis as well, particularly young men in the culture today. What's going on there? That's up next here here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Song, song of the south, sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth. Gone, gone with the wind. All right, it's not a sweet potato pie, but it is a chess pie. Uh, all right, Nick, do you have any idea how your grandmother made it, or shall I tell you? Uh, I, you know, there's some, there's, uh, what is it from Deuteronomy 29? The, 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 the <laughs> mysterious things of the Lord are to remain unknown. I believe I feel so bad for Laura. I want to offer an, ex, uh, an invitation next time she's in Clarksville, Tennessee. Alice, Pitt, <laughs> I am positive would be happy to, to make you a chess pie, give you a little piece of heaven here in this broken world. I, all I know is it's some type of combination of butter, uh, mm-hmm. sugar and milk. Mm-hmm. And it's, yep. it's real. It's really simple and even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sugar, um, flour, salt, melted butter, milk, and one essential tablespoon of vinegar. That's actually what makes a chess pie like mellow and not just like crazy crack sweet. 
So it's, um, there you go. That's, that's the secret. You bake your pie crust first, Laura. You don't bake it all together. You bake the pie crust first. You blind bake the pie crust and you get the ingredients prepared and you put them in there and yeah, <clears throat> delish, delish. Okay. Um, the crisis is not just among girls in the culture. We have a real crisis, uh, uh, among young men and, um, and, and boys. What's going on, um, Nick, with this cohort? Yeah. So, so what we're seeing increasingly is, is what we all kind of alluded to just this transformation of the role that video games is playing in young men's lives. And we've seen, and there's been a lot of research that men that are employable, but are either unemployed right now or underemployed. And what we're seeing in research is that there's a connection between video game technology and individual individuals, men, young men, and um, men, older men in general. Uh, spending time instead of working, playing video games. I thought this stat was so interesting in the article. In 1999, about 50% of teen boys played video games for about 34 minutes a day. 1999, you're probably thinking of Earthworm Jim, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, uh, Madden, etc. Those are those games. But now we're seeing a world in which games are much more expansive. They're much more uh, live-in fantasy um, fiction. And so today, 97% of boys play for an average of two hours and 20 minutes a day. So we're seeing a, a rapid a rapid increase in the amount of time and then in the prevalence of the number of boys. We're moving from 50% to 97%, 34 minutes to two hours and 20 minutes a day. Wow. What? How many? Uh, 97% of boys today are playing for an average of two hours and 20 minutes. Okay, so that's a lot of um, now. There's some people saying, "Hey, two hours and twenty minutes—that's no big deal." Um, but there's a lot. There's you know a fair number of kids playing zero hours, which means there's some playing four. Like right, <laughs> so you got to think about yep. the way averages work themselves out. Um, and that's a lot of boys spending a lot of time doing something um, where girls might be scrolling alone. Boys are gaming alone, um, and the crisis is about education. Um, a lot of them abandoning college, not going to college for uh, for a number of reasons, but it doesn't change the fact that a lot of them are not going to college. Um, what are some of the long term? Um, what do you think? What do you where do you think that leads? I mean, as as more women go to college and fewer men go to college. I mean, Nick, I'm just thinking that people tend to marry people who have at least some kind of similar similarity in terms of their level of education. So like, I, I just, I look at the long-term potentiality here and I'm like, this is devastating potentially for the American family. Oh yeah. We've, we've seen this before. I think it was research out of Brown that called them economically attractive men. We're in a, we're in a, a significant downturn of economically attractive men uh, right now. Um, and we know this to be true, right? We know that the marriage rates are down. We know cohabitation rates are up. Essentially you have a, a contingent of a younger generation that just doesn't see the allure of the commitment of marriage. And what we're, we're also saying is that there are certain, there's a, a contingent, like there's always been of individuals that just aren't ready for that commitment because they're finding that zest and zeal elsewhere. And that's what I really want to hone in on. I don't want to just speak dourly about the idea that we, that, that we're lamenting a cultural woe right mm -hmm. now or something that 
undesirable. I think that we're seeing uh, the same desires that's play out over generations that Andy Crouch talks about so well in his book, Strong and Weak. It's Mm. the allure of video games is that it gives you the idea that you're zesting for adventure, you're fulfilling your duty, you're risking, but you're not actually doing any of those of those things. Those are all simulations to stimulate that desire that's innate within the within each one of us. This desire for a duty that somebody on my right and on my left is 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 needing me to be able to accomplish a mission. You're 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 simulating the risk that it takes that you're going out there in order that you might seize the reward or treasure. Video games are tapping into those desires, but those desire and those desires are being satisfied in unrealistic and sometimes unhealthy places when you're placing an overemphasis upon video games to achieve those ends. So yes, video games are revealing what we've always known about the human spirit, the desire for adventure, the desire for risk, the desire uh, to, to be needed by someone. Now, I don't want to say all video games are bad. There are, there are elements of video games that are good in proper moderation, but I, I would also say they're underlying this, this need for us to see outside of video games how to satisfy that zest for adventure, that zeal, and that 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 desire to be needed, which is found, whether it's in a job, whether it's in a marital commitment, whether it's in a community commitment, whether it's at a church, et cetera. We all have that desire to want to make something significant of ourselves, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Right now, video the over-reliance on video games is, is fulfilling that. And I would just, I would invite boys, I would invite any person to be able to find that in other more permanent things is what T.S. Eliot would say, whether it's your family, whether it's your church, whether it's, whether it's with your friends, whether it's at work, et cetera. That's so good. Um, Nick, uh, you have reminded me that we should probably circle back around and have a conversation with Andy Crouch about strong and weak. Um, that's a that's a really good reminder there. Hey, as always, thank you so much, my brother. And I hope you get a piece of chess pie on this pie day. Let's hope so. Let's hope Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if if grandma's on it, there you go. All right. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Not too tart, not too sweet. My baby loves to watch me eat her. Uh, Nick Pitts has weighed in. Uh, if he and I were having a cup of coffee today, it would be over a piece of chess pie on this pie day. If you and I had the occasion to sit down in one another's presence and have a cup of coffee, what kind of pie? What kind of pie would we be sharing? I would uh, love to have you let me know. You can text me at 877-933-2484 on this pie day. What kind of pie would we be sharing? If you came to my house, it would be today, peach pie. But on any other given day, it might be a blackberry pie, a cherry pie, an apple pie. My husband is a pie guy. My husband would have made the pie and you and I would be sharing it. What kind of pie would we be sharing if I were with you today where you are? 
Text me, 877-933-2484. All right, so far I've got pecan, I got cherry, I got chess. Let me know, 877-933-2484. The Wall Street Journal is reporting this morning that Chinese leader Xi Jinping plans to speak with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky for the first time since the start of the Ukraine war. Um, That will likely happen after... um, Xi visits Moscow next week to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin. So the meetings with Putin and then Zelensky reflect Beijing's effort to play a more active role in mediating an end to the war in Ukraine. So, um, you know, why is it, how is it that Beijing is in a position to do this? And I don't know, a country like the United States is not Mm -hmm. The rising role of China uh, as it sees itself as global peacemaker. That conversation up next with Luke Moon from the Philos Project. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. Luke Moon is back from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. Luke, we have a, uh, well, we have something that we need to discuss before we discuss anything else, because today is Pi Day, 314. And um, let's see, listeners are offering us, well, we started with a chess pie conversation earlier, but now we've got pecan, sweet potato, banana cream, key lime, we've got strawberry, strawberry rhubarb, strawberry meringue rhubarb, rhubarb meringue lots of rhubarb because people actually know my love language uh we've got something crazy decadent from shirley in wisconsin caramel caramel apple pie uh we've got a chocolate pudding homemade pudding no box stuff you know right i mean you know so Mm. i don't know would you carrot cake pie which i've never heard of but now i want some Mm. what what is your pie what is your go-to pie if you and i were having pie today what would it be (laughs) It would be it would be tough, I think, because um, there's it's snowing right now. I'll probably go in the cherry pie direction because I do mm-hmm. like cherry mm-hmm. pie. Um, mm-hmm. A little tart, with, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, with with uh, ice cream on top. If it was warmer, if it was a different time of year, mm-hmm. I would probably key lime is a uh, is is nice uh, when it's you know I feel like it's that's a that's a good kind of summertime pie. Uh, but right, yeah, right now the mood looking out the window is is cherry pie. I like cherry pie. I have to also tell you that the people who have now suggested that savory pies are in the mix, the people who would come forward now with a quiche or with a really good pizza, yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, that is also my love language. I, yeah, I, I could you could have every meal today as a pie related meal because you could you could. I mean, really, anything's good on a crust. Well, I was I was in the UK recently, and they, you know the the meat pie thing mm. is oh yes, uh, oh like really a chicken pot pie. Mm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I mean I'm I, I was actually you know googling where can I get a good meat pie here in New York. That was what I was googling <laughs> as I was at this restaurant because they tricked me. They had these. They had the the menu had meat pie, and then it was no. It's talking about is it like pie. a shepherd's pie? No, it was a well. the The meat pie I had in the UK was like a, you know, like a, 
like a, I don't know, a chicken pot pie, but with, you know, meat, uh, beef, yeah. it, you know, a good right. gravy. Like pot roast, like pot yeah, roast yeah, in a yeah, crust. Yes. Yeah, so, uh-huh. so here's what you, you got to find somebody that will make a good pot roast and then put it in a crust. Yeah, I got I got a place in 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 northern Wisconsin where we got yeah. such a thing. Um, yeah, so they do exist in the United States. You and I might have to go on like a national research project now. Exactly, but something right. But right now, let's talk about China. <clears throat> China is um, really seeking to assert itself as uh, a global quote unquote peacemaker. Bring us up to speed on what has happened this week um, in terms of. China's playing a a role between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which is going to require, Luke, that we back up and talk about why these two countries would need peace to be brokered between them. Right. Right. Well, China brokered uh, basically a peace deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Um, I would say that, you know, there's a there's a couple of things going on here. One is is, you know, that China we have a lot of regulations and rules against doing stuff like human rights is a value. And so we, for us, and so, uh, you know, it's human rights are more important at, in some degree than, than oil. Uh, we, we do need the oil, but we do have some rules. Um, and we ha- we are not in a position to negotiate a peace deal with Iran and Saudi Arabia. And the two countries have been at odds for a long time. My sense is that, uh, you know, the agreement says they'll put embassies to in, in, um, uh, you know, back in each other's countries um, that they will scale down uh, the proxy war that they've been having in Yemen uh, both of those would be good things, right? So I'm not I'm not super poo pooing the 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 peace deal, uh, but you know the underlying issue between Iran and Saudi Arabia is uh, you know the ongoing or for you know long time the the war between Sunni and Shia uh, forms of Islam, and it's you know that is it you know to put it in kind of our terms or American terms, it's like uh, the, the you know the for centuries long conflict between the Protestants and the Catholics, right? That's a that's that was a that was basically somewhat settled by the Peace of Westphalia, but not not forever, right? It just you know it, there's still places in this world, uh, Northern Ireland is one where there's still this kind of ongoing kind of simmering conflict. Where that that division of of uh, you know people share the same you know both claim Christianity and yet have uh, you know different views on that to the point that they'll go into conflict with each other. That's that's the same in the Middle East between the Sunni and the Shia uh, in in Islam, and the majority of of Muslims are Sunni. Uh, Iran is Shia, and they are. it's just been a long, long conflict. Uh, And I'm not quite sure it's suddenly settled by China, but you know, it's good. Anytime there's a peace deal, I think it's a good thing. When we talk about the rising influence or the rising role of China, um, we're not just talking, you know, about the Middle East. Uh, China is hoping, as I mentioned at the outset here to um, broker some kind of deal between Ukraine and Russia. I 
I have a hard time imagining that they will be able to accomplish that. But interesting that they're putting themselves forward in that role. They're also a really significant player. Um, you know, in, in Africa, they have invested a lot um, in yeah. um, in the infrastructure. Um, just give us a little perspective you know, from where you sit um, on China. I mean, I, I think that every once in a while, it's just good to remind ourselves how big they are and the, their long-term approach to things. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, China is, is re- well, it, putting itself forward as a global superpower. Uh, that's the aspirations, the aspirations of President Xi. Um, and to the degree to which, you know, they are, uh, you know, building a pretty powerful military, uh, you know, putting out, you know, they're building ships and they're building airplanes and they're doing the, and, you know, brokering these peace deals and, doing investment in places like Africa. I mean, why is it, why are they investing, uh, you know, billions of dollars uh, into building roads and railroads and stuff like that in, in Africa? Well, because there aren't those things in Africa. And if you want to get at the, the minerals that are in the ground in a lot of places in Africa, it helps to build a road. Uh, And so they're doing that kind of work. Um, you know, but the the under there's an underlying sickness within China, uh, and that is that is twofold. One is uh, they you know it's obviously not a democracy. Communism is the official uh, government structure, and uh, but it's it's not really communist. You know, the there's a lot of super rich people in China. Um, she just became was elected uh, premier. Uh, by a, a unanimous vote from it was like 200 uh, f- 2,453 to zero right mm. so mm-hmm. uh, you know it's not like that there's there's uh, there's an opposition at least not a public one uh, and the, the so the, you have a problem of the lack of freedom in the country so like you know he can basically the deal is well you know to the Chinese people uh, will will We'll make you rich or we'll get, you know, we'll make you sell, uh, you know, have material goods, just don't rise up. Right. Um, and the other problem is they're, they're in the process of undergoing what will be a, a basically a demographic collapse um, because the one child policy, which they instituted over a generation ago now uh, is, is beginning to manifest itself in that there were more deaths than births in China for the first time. Uh, and that is, it is going to create uh, some significant problems for China. Uh, pro- probably not in the near term, like you won't really see it, but for sure within the next um, 10 to 20 years, you'll begin to really, or they, they will begin to feel the impact of that because uh, you, know, you have to deal with uh, your elderly that are unable to work. Um, and you know, if, if they go to, they can, I, it wouldn't surprise me. They go the direction of, you know, uh, Canada, which Canada is now, uh, suicide is three to 5% of the elderly deaths in China mm. or in Canada right Canada. now, which is, is insane. Um, but you know, that's what countries who have, uh, population, 
issues uh, are are beginning to um, push in that direction. And China is going to have to do the same thing. Okay, we're going to have to take up um, something that has come in on the text line, which was apparently a joke aimed at the fact that I'm not a math person, <clears throat> because the um, the carrot is a is a sign for exponents, right? It's the exponent symbol, and yeah. so this this person wanted to suggest that we have carrot cake pie on Pie Day, and then and so I ask about it because you know me. Uh, carrot cake yeah. pie sounds delicious, and I would like to know more about that. And then they're like, you know, the joke is on you. Carrot cake pie does not exist. It's a like this is about the carrot symbol. I'm like, oh, okay, don't fool around with me because carrot carrot cake pie sounds good. All right, we're going to return to our conversation in just a moment with Luke Moon. We're going to talk about Ukraine. Um, I'll also brief you in on the U.S., the U.K., and Australia agreeing to provide Australia with nuclear submarines by 2030. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day. We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. Go on, get some rhubarb pie. That's what it's all about. Rhubarb pie. All right, thank you for the recipe for lemonade pie, which just rolled in. Uh, Gay has also pitched in a vote for rhubarb lemon meringue pie. Um, Graham, oh, oh, and then I had asked someone, they, they had said they wanted to have banana split pie with me today. And I said, well, I needed the description. Here you go. Graham cracker crust, cream cheese mixed with powdered sugar in the pie crust, top with a layer of banana slices. And then you drain crushed pineapple um, and top it with Cool Whip. I have suggested that we put that in the freezer for a few minutes before serving. And uh, my friend has agreed. So there you go. It's pie day. You can uh, tell me what kind of pie we'd be having over a cup of coffee today where you are. You can text me at 877-933-2484. Because as we are talking about various serious things with Luke Moon happening around the globe, we also must honor pie day. <clears throat> Carmen, you know, I didn't that, know that. I didn't know that Paul sang. Uh, Paul, the producer. I oh, you could hear. You, yeah, did you I hear heard that. Singing? I heard him singing that song about rhubarb. <laughs> that wasn't I, me. Oh, it wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> he does sing. I do he, sing, okay. but not that. He that does. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. There you go, Luke. No, uh, you I, and I, you and I, I do not sing out loud. We we do not <laughs> sing out loud over the air. <clears throat> All right. So uh, here, let me read you in quickly on this: the Australia, United Kingdom, United States, which now has a AUKUS, A-U-K-U-S, partnership has identified the optimal pathway to provide Australia with conventionally armed nuclear submarines by 2030 or by the 2030s, which gives them like a 10-year window. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's going on, and you're going to hear that in the news today. And I didn't want you to think that Luke and I had missed that. Luke, let's um, turn our attention, though, to Ukraine. 
um, and maybe just give us an update there on what is happening. I know a lot of folks focused on are focused on Bakhmut. I do think it's important to acknowledge that although every community is really significant, we're not actually talking about a large city when we're talking about Bakhmut. We are talking about um, something that is strategic because every loss matters. But um, but what what's going on from your perspective? Well, yeah, well, Bakhmut has, like, you know, everybody's basically saying it has no actual strategic value. It just happens to be a spot where, you know, they that the Russians and Ukrainians have settled up and are just uh, pummeling each other. I mean, it's been, there's over a thousand uh, deaths on the Russian side in a couple of days and about 220 deaths on the Ukrainian side uh, in those same couple of days. And it's a town with a salt mine. That's about it. Uh, it's, and it's not, doesn't have super strategic value. Uh, but one of the other factor coming in is, you know, there's a lot of question, uh, you know, there's been issues raised about the potential of a spring offensive by the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians really going to, you know, take advantage of the spring uh, and try and demoralize uh, the Russians and uh, push them out. Uh, but, you know, the fact that there's been so much fighting in uh, the Bakut area that it might take away from the the you know the the spring offensive uh, that is being planned right now. Um, Luke, what else um, has your attention today? Are there are there things that we did not you know say? Hey, tee these up for conversation. That <laughs> you know things that have your attention today. Well, I would I would I do think the 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 submarine thing is very interesting um, because not only did did you know that news break. Uh, about the submarines, but last night I was watching TV and there was literally a commercial uh, for uh, you know submarine the I don't know submarine manufacturer is hiring uh, and mm. and so it you know that's the that's really the issue that both well, and one of the reasons why uh, the UK and the United States and Australia have come together is because. Uh, it takes a lot of people to build a submarine and particularly people who like to weld things. Um, and that is, you know, the, the, the trades have, are, are very understaffed around, around the world or not around the world, but in the United States, probably in the UK and, and Australia as well, uh, because so much emphasis has been put on, you know, making sure you go to college and, and that kind of thing. Uh, that there's just a lack of, of, you know, people in the trades and that has, you know, impacted, you can see it uh, in this deal where, you know, the U S Australia and the UK have decided they got to pool resources together, not resources and money, but resources and people uh, in order to be able to build the submarines to, to, to challenge the Chinese, which don't have the problem of a lack of welders. Mm. Underwater welding, uh, particularly if you are a saturation diver, mm-hmm. because you, mm-hmm. you make like one to four dollars additional per foot that you're willing to go down. I'm just saying I'm, I know. Yeah. There you go. That is that is uh, that is what Google will tell you when somebody starts talking about building submarines and maintaining them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Luke, as always, it's always a it's a it's a feast. 
it's a conversational yeah. feast with you, and I really appreciate it. Hey, I had the opportunity um, through the Philos Action League to actually go and visit some of my Jewish neighbors across town um, after an anti-Semitic event in my community. And so I just wanted to say thank you again for not only alerting me to that opportunity, but equipping and empowering me to be activated in my faith, to go stand alongside my Jewish neighbors in a time of need. I uh, I just wanted to say thank you for that opportunity. Well, thank you for doing it. We we hit uh, this last week over 150 responses in since we started in, in the beginning of 2000, in 2022. And, and it just has, I mean, I, I was with a rabbi yesterday uh, in Long Island, uh, and he was like, you know, introducing me to everybody in the restaurant as the guy who, uh, you know, this, this, look at this non-Jew. And he gets he gets people to come out and bring flowers. And and but like just everybody's smiles were, you know, were, were just big smiles. And it just, you know, it says something that such a small and and simple act uh, produces yeah, like yeah, I, I, it's it's a it's a look that that I I see now quite often, and it's it's like praise the Lord because it's so it's it's really amazing to yes. And that. I learned I learned that uh, at our Jewish community center in the city where I live um, mm-hmm. on Friday afternoon, which was the time that I had opportunity to go. Um, if you're single and you're a man, you can get your bread for Shabbat. Oh, wow. I know. And so it smells amazing in there. And there's a whole lot of people roaming around and uh, really just a delightful, yeah, delightful encounter. So thank you for thank you for that opportunity. That's Luke Moon. You can find him at the Philos Project, philosproject.org. Um, if you want to uh, check out what I've been talking about, the Philos Action League is um, is what you want to click on. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. We've got uh, one one friend who is celebrating her son's birthday today. So Pie Day is always Honey Pie Day. Oh, Honey Pie Day! I see. I love that. I love that. It is Pie Day three fourteen, and so you know, I'm surveying. I'm surveying where where should I go to have a cup of coffee and a piece of pie? What kind of pie would we be having if I were sitting with you right now? You can text me at 877-933-2484. And yes, if you want to celebrate math on Pi Day, just talk about whether or not you cut the pie into four, six, or eight pieces. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's a little Pi Day math for you. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.